It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Slime, a two-hour radio tour of high school sports in West Virginia. Tonight's show is being brought to you in part by the West Virginia Coal Association and the Friends of Coal. Committed to clean energy, your job, and better quality of life for all West Virginians. By Concord University, it starts with you. And by ZMM Architects and Engineers at the forefront of school design in West Virginia. Online at ZMM.com. Along with Dave Jekyll and Joe Bracato, here's your host for the High School Sports Line, Fred Persinger. And good evening across this great state of West Virginia. Welcome in High School Sports Line for a Wednesday night, the 7th of October. Fred and Dave are with you tonight. We'll be joined by Joe Bracato somewhere through the course of the program. He's out on assignment. We'll tell you about that in a while. Going to be one of the busiest shows we have had all fall long. And it's just two of us doing it, David. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a wild show tonight, isn't it? I think we can handle it, though, don't you? I do. We've got a uh, good producer, and he's giving me all kinds of hand motions and running out to answer the phone. And I think we've got the easy job. Joe Nelson, our producer tonight, he has the tough job. He's producing in the talk show studio and then running back over to answer the phones and everything else. Well, see, uh, uh, that's what happens on Friday night for game night. People think you and I have the hard job. We don't. No. No, Joe Nelson and yes. that crew yeah, that's, a great point. that's in another building completely has the tough job. So we, we just kind of sit back and talk, which we do quite well. And I will let you know that uh, as the show, you'll kind of run down what we have coming up. Right. But I can just tell you now that we have two callers on the line, <laughs> Greg Carey and, and David, David Gibb. Gibb. Yes, correct. Okay. So i just letting you know that as you progress into what we have coming up tonight. So are they ready is what I need to know. Well, Joe just came back in, so they're going to be ready as soon as Joe... Says they're ready. Says they're ready. That's exactly right. right. We'll take Greg Carey first, okay? So, uh, well, let's go ahead. I'll tell you what, the show tonight is golf and football and all kinds of things. Greg Carey has been at the West Virginia State High School Golf Championships the last couple of days. He's going to give us a report. David Gibb from Pocahontas County played in the tournament, but... That's not what we want to talk to David. David has an unbelievable story. He really does. Uh, We're also, about 725, we're going to get in touch with Bernie Dolan, the executive director of the WVSSAC. And Bernie and I were talking on Monday, and I said, Bernie, 
we're getting ready to go into week number six. We've got to have some answers. And he said, you know, you're right. Let's talk. So we're going to keep Bernie for about 25 minutes or so tonight. He doesn't know that part yet, but we are. Uh, 7.50 tonight, David Moneypenny. Do you know who David Moneypenny is? <laughs> I know who he is. I will be thrilled to hear his voice uh, he on our said, airways. Yeah, he said, I texted him and he said, you mean I get another chance? I'm setting my alarm. <laughs> David Moneypenny is the head football coach at Oak Hill. We've had him scheduled for two other shows and – he didn't make it, so he'll make it tonight. Ray Lee, the head football coach at Greenbrier East High School, off to a great start. Best start since, what did we say, 1998? 98, that's right. 98, so he's going to join us. And then we're going to be kind of filling up with – we're also going to talk with Ted Arno Jr. from Oak Glen. They lost their first game of the season just last past Friday night. We'll talk with Coach Arno about that. And then, of course, we've got a lot of guys out like Joe Bricado and Joe Stevens and a bunch of guys out doing games because the Canal Valley's playing football tonight. And we'll get you updated on all of that. But right now, let's go to Greg Carey. And Greg Carey has been uh, a very, very busy. Well, according to what I'm going to do, though, we're not going to do that, are we? We're going <laughs> to go to David Gibb right now. So let's go to David Gibb. David Gibb is from Pocahontas County. And, David, welcome into High School Sports Line, partner. Thank you. All Pleasure right. Being here. Well, I'll tell you what, David, let's see. Let me uh, see exactly. You played, hey, finished 13th overall individual scoring, uh, 95 91. And uh, was your team in it or was it just you? Uh, it was our team made it. Your team didn't make it. Okay. okay. Yeah. And where did you yeah, guys? We placed uh, fourth overall in the state. Outstanding. Outstanding. And uh, weren't you the uh, low golfer on your team as well? Yes. Okay, fantastic. All right, now, so great experience. Uh, uh, the courses at Ogilvy are not the easiest courses in the world, are they? No, it's very tough. Talk about the hillside. Do you ever do you ever get a flat lie, even on the greens? It's, it's very rare on that course. I mean, I mean, I, I might have had like two or three flat lies today, but that's about it. Now, that's about normal, Jay, uh, Dave, you know, when, when you look at that course. Yeah, exactly right. And and David's joining us tonight, David Gibb, Pocahontas County High School golf team, as he and Fred were just discussing his uh, strong finish. But I want to talk about what had to be one of the most unique things to uh, ever see, and that was you were um, playing in your regional tournament at Pipestem, and you're on hole six, just minding your own business, playing your round. And, and tell our listeners what happened to you there on hole six. Yeah, so um, so I was watching this other kid hit, and I was just standing behind him. And he hit the ball, and it so happened just ricochet off a tree and hit me right in the face. <laughs> I'm, I don't mean to laugh. I really don't. That's okay. Where, where, did, where, did the ball, where did the golf ball strike you, David? Uh, just right below the lip. Hmm. And then here's here's the great part of the story. Right. Go ahead and tell the rest of it, David. So uh, pretty much after that hole, it took me about an hour just to figure out what was going on. And then <laughs> Where I, was. I was like stumbling when I was walking for like an hour afterwards. And then uh, the pretty the medic told me that I had to I could either keep playing or I could leave right then and go get stitches. And I wanted, you know, I wanted the team to go to states, and the only chance we were going to states is if I kept playing. So, I just kept on playing, and then finished out with a good round, and we sure enough made it to states and won regionals. And that's what I was going to ask you. So, so the EMT was suggesting just to step out of the round, and you would have been disqualified during that yeah. one hour. I mean, 
I don't know exactly what the the rules are on that, but I mean, because it just doesn't happen quite like it happened to you. And we're talking with David yeah. Gibbs, uh, golfer at Pocahontas County High School. So you get struck by the golf ball just below the lip in the chin. You're during that one hour. I mean, does your does your playing partner? They keep on playing. They keep moving forward. I mean, when you did resume, are you by yourself? I mean, how did that all work logistically? So. Um, everyone in my group like stopped playing and then we had groups behind us. So we just let those groups play through and we just waited for about an hour until I was ready to go back out there and we kept playing. I, it, it amazes me. I, I can see it now. You, you hit the ball, you dab the blood, you hit the ball. You, <laughs> how did you get the bleeding yeah. to stop or did it stop? It took, it took most of like pretty much an hour for it to stop. And then we put a, um, a Band-Aid on it, and then, I mean, there was blood just going through the Band-Aid, so it didn't really help much. Wow. How many stitches did it finally take once you decided, okay, this we're in the States? Well, actually, it wasn't. See, like, I went to the hospital, like, in my hometown about an hour or nine hours after it happened, so they ended up just gluing it back together <laughs> instead of giving me stitches. <laughs> Nine hours after it happened. Yeah. <laughs> now, now here's the question: you, you finished with an 84, good enough for third place overall. Not knowing how far along you were in, it must have been in the fairway. I'm guessing for him to hit the tree and come back and hit you. But my question is this: through the first five holes, how were you playing? And obviously, you played well enough afterwards to finish third overall. Did your play improve as you were nearly incapacitated on the course? Surprisingly, it did improve. <laughs> <laughs> I was not playing well through five holes. I was probably on track to shoot high 80s, maybe a 90. And then after I got hit, I somehow played better. <laughs> now, 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 here's a question for you. I, not knowing, you know, David Gibb on the golf course, as far as how long it takes you to set up each shot, take each shot, if you're a slower player, a quicker player, I'm guessing after this, you were like, okay, find my line, step up and play. You weren't, you weren't messing around. I'm guessing after this. Oh no, I was trying to get the round done as quick as possible. But but how much how much did that affect how you normally play though, David? I mean, it, were you did you I have mean, to get not, totally out of your routine? Not really. I'm usually like a quick pace player. I don't really like taking a lot of time when I'm golfing. So I just kind of play my normal game and finish pretty well. Dave, it's a great story. By the way, Dave is a junior at Pocahontas County High School. I found out about it because uh, his head coach of the golf team, David Moore, uh, sent me an email, and I said, I've got to get the guy. On. I have to get the guy on the high school sports line because this is a tremendous story. I'm, you shot what, – what was that final – what did you say you shot the, in the finals there of the uh, regional? Uh, 84. 84. What was your best round – up at Ogilvy. Oh, it was not the best. I shot a 91 today. <laughs> Dave, did not, no one hit you in the chin with something? Come on. Nobody. I was kind of wanting someone to, you know, <laughs> maybe hit a shot at my face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, young man, I mean, this is, this. you talk about being a true teammate, a real trooper. Uh, congratulations, number one, yes. on, on the golf team finishing fourth in the state, uh, certainly on what you did to help your golf team achieve that. Uh, that's just, that's tremendous. You're, you're my most valuable player, I can tell you that, believe me. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Best of luck next year. And uh, watch those trees, man. They're dangerous on the golf course, you know? I know. All right. Thank you, David. I appreciate you joining us, okay? Uh, thank you, guys. Uh-huh. This is David Gibb. It's a great story. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful story? I mean, well, well, yeah, except the guy took yeah. a shot off the chin and was bleeding around the course and for the see, next... see how nice we were? We did not ask the name of the gentleman that hit him. No, we no. did not. No, I used to no. do that. All right, let's go to Greg Carey. Greg has been in Wheeling the last couple of days covering the West Virginia State High School Golf Championships for Metro News. And Dave, or Greg, that story that we just had with Dave Gibb is tremendous, but there were a lot of great stories in this golf championships, weren't there? Certainly, and starting at the top of uh, Class AAA, you look at Ryan Bilby, who's pretty much become a household name for what he's done, not only in the high school circuits, but he's also had some success, especially for a high school athlete in some of the you know, West Virginia Golf Association statewide events. And he repeats as the low medalist after a round of 72 today, which was pretty comfortably the best round of the tournament in all classes. And that gives him a four-shot win in Class AAA as he repeats as the low medalist as a senior. And then Todd Duncan of Shady Spring, who's also become a household name for his success, didn't play maybe quite as well as what he was hoping. Uh, you know, talked to him afterwards, said he was – a little bit high, you know, a little, couple big numbers, I guess, he thought held him back, but still around to 77 and 78. And the cool thing about Todd Duncan's success was it led to a championship at the team level for Shady Spring as well. They also got a uh, fourth-place finish in Tanner Vest, so that came in handy for Shady Spring and Richard the team championship in AA. Yeah, that was their uh, Shady Spring's first-ever golf championship. Uh, when you look at the other team champions in single A, St. Mary's won. They won it last year as well, so they've won it now back-to-back. Class AAA, the team champion, was uh, Wheeling Park, and that was their sixth overall state golf championship. And, uh, by the way, in class single A, the uh, medalist for single A was Blake Lewis from Parkersburg Catholic. But, uh, yeah, you have to you – you're, you're so right when you start talking about Todd Duncan – what a thrill that has to be for not only him being at the top as far as the medalists go, but seeing his team play well enough to win the team title. Certainly, and I talked to Todd after the round, as I alluded to earlier, and you know, that was the first thing that came out of his mouth. Was as much of an individual sport as golf is, you know, obviously for the team to have success at this level, you've got to get three generally pretty solid scores, and you know, for him to be able to sh- share his success with the teammates, you could tell it meant a lot to Todd and. You mentioned uh, Class A, Blake Lewis, only a sophomore, and goes from an 81 in round one to a 76 in round two. Parkersburg Catholic, you know, he was able to hold off Justin Dora, Wheeling Central. They'd kind of been back and forth uh, throughout regional play and, and in the season. I know Justin Dora had beaten Blake Lewis, so a pretty big accomplishment for the Crusader, especially considering he's only a sophomore. And then St. Mary's to repeat as well. You know, they had three of the top ten finishers in single A, and they won comfortably. They they ended up having a 16-shot victory over Moorfield, which was the runner-up. Yeah, that is that is tremendous. Uh, in the top ten in single A, uh, Braden Hall of St. Mary's, uh, also there for St. Mary's, was Brandon Lawhorn and uh, Grant Barnhart. So uh, those three guys in the top nine, or top, yeah, the top nine, rather, for uh, individual honors. But uh yeah, well, you see so many young golfers, and boy, you could not have asked for two days of better weather in the Wheeling area. Uh, that, and that was 
a pretty big discussion today, even amongst the players as well as you know fellow media members that were there. I think it's my eighth consecutive year being at the state golf championships at Ogilvy, and a lot of times it's been known for the wind, the rain. The wind was up today, but it was perfect conditions otherwise. You know, the, the golfers that I heard you talking about earlier, they mentioned you very rarely have a flat lie. You know, there's a lot of slope on the greens, and they had kind of been dried out. So you saw some struggles on the greens today, but overall the conditions were just ideal. I mean, it was perfect golfing weather. And you have coming into the final day, all three teams that were in first place coming into the final day, Wheeling Park, Shady Spring, and St. Mary's, uh, pull off that championship. Sounds like St. Mary's increased at six-shot lead over Williamstown into that 16-shot win. How about on the Wheeling Park and the Shady Springs side? Did they expand upon what they their strong starts on Tuesday? Well, the only team that had a better score in AAA than Wheeling Park was George Washington. But that's what, that's what yeah, they had, yeah, they had five shots to. to you know, gain on Wheeling Park. They were able to get to within three, but it wasn't enough, obviously. But in Double A, the interesting story was Robert C. Bird, which you know made a big jump up. They cut 27 shots off of their day one score to day two. They ended up finishing just one shot behind North Marion, which was the runner-up. But obviously, Shady Spring, they had a one-shot lead over North Marion and 18 over Bird coming into today. So North Marion was clearly the team that was on the Tigers' radar and Shady Spring was able to shoot six shots better as a team today. Yeah, they did. They they came uh, – it was Shady Spring, North Marion, and RCB. Uh, the rest of the top eight, uh, Kaiser, Herbert Hoover, Roan County, Winfield, and Point Pleasant in single A, uh, St. Mary's, Moorefield, Williamstown, Pocahontas County, Sherman, Notre Dame, Wahama, Webster County in that order, and then the top eight teams in AAA, your winner, as we mentioned, with Wheeling Park, uh, George Washington, Beckley, Woodrow, Wilson. By the way – how about Beckley, Woodrow, Wilson, Zan Hill? I mean, it's good to get a hole-in-one. Well, why not go ahead and do it in a state championship event as he aced number seven in Wheeling today? That's pretty nice. Oh, it sure was. And he was another one that had a significantly better showing in day two than day one. Obviously, a, a very neat moment there for Zan Hill of Woodrow Wilson, something he'll remember for the rest of his life and something that, you know, you don't see very often at all. And, and you know, the first time I'd gotten to see one in the state tournament, and then that helps lead to a 76 for him. He makes all-tournament team after an opening day 85, so a much better round. Yeah, and rounding out the uh, top eight in AAA, as we mentioned, Wheeling Park, GW, and Beckley in third, followed by Cabell Midland, Washington, Parkersburg, South Jefferson, and Buchanan Upshur. All right, Greg, hey, buddy, great job, some great stories on our website at wvmetronews.com. Always a great job with your work. We appreciate it, and we appreciate your time tonight, okay? I appreciate it, guys. You have a good evening. There you go. That's Greg Carey, who works with us here at Metro News. And, uh, again, follow him at wvmetronews.com. Uh, you can really, really get some good stuff and some great insight into the state golf championships. Need to take a break? We come back. We're going to be joined by the executive director of the WVSSAC, Mr. Bernie Dolan. Stay with us on High School Sports Line. soccer to volleyball we've got you covered on the high school sports line from metro news welcome back into high school sports line fred persinger and dave jecklin with you 
on this Wednesday evening. Joe Nelson is our producer tonight. And we head right back to the phones. We're joined by the executive director of the WVSSAC, Mr. Bernie Dolan. Bernie, welcome in, buddy. Hey, Brad. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. We just had a great report on the uh, West Virginia State High School golf tournament. And I was telling Greg Carey that was covering the event for Metro News, you could, you guys could not have asked for better weather for this two-day event. Uh, it was beautiful. It was a little windy, but sunny and dry. And, uh, you know, I thought the kids did a great job, but the weather was uh, really great. It has to be nice, doesn't it, Bernie, after everything that took place last spring with COVID and championships getting shut down literally mid-tournament to be able to have the golf championships at Ogilvy the last couple of days and to crown individual and state champions this week. It, it's really been a long, long spring, and even the summer leads into the fall. You not you weren't sure you were going to ever have, not ever, but have a championship at all this year. And, uh, you know, you just weren't sure where COVID was headed. And I think it's been proven out that outdoors, uh, you know, we had a great opportunity to, to showcase these kids and, and do it safely. And uh, we're so thankful to be able to have the tournament. And, uh, you know, I have to thank the governor a little bit because, you know, we did request that counties in Orange be able to play at least for the championship and uh, certainly paid off for um, the likes of GW. Yeah, it did indeed. And uh, we, we, we were going to talk uh, coming up later in the program tonight. We're going to talk with Ryan Bilby, who is, uh, well, he just made a name for himself uh, this past summer and last year. He's back-to-back uh, low medalists in the state golf tournament. So we'll talk with Ryan coming up as well. But let's talk about, you said outside, which means now you're getting close to getting ready for some state championship events in volleyball. That's an inside event. Uh, yep. Everything, everything though, correct me if I'm wrong, Bernie, but there have been cases of COVID through schools, but it really hasn't affected that many. I can't remember it affecting football, number one, at all. Uh, I, I know there's one yeah, case in a volleyball, well, but it's been pretty good, really. It, it's affected uh, some games from time to time, but overall, uh, you know, it may have been uh, one county or school who's had a, a positive. Uh, we had one get a positive a couple Fridays ago uh, and had to uh, drop the game right then that Friday. But overall, you know, uh, most of the exposures that's happened uh, at the schools and on the teams have been from the adults, not the kids. So, um, you know, so far... Our kids have had a great opportunity all through the fall to keep playing. Uh, you know, the uh, Kanawha County uh, kids are joining us this week, joined us tonight for some football, as well as the Mon County teams got to start last week. So uh, most of the state is in now. So, uh, you know, we're going to keep pressing ahead. I think everybody knows what needs to be done. and try to do it as safely as possible yeah talk about that we got Kanawha County kicking off tonight and there's uh what four games on the Wednesday schedule and you talk about uh, a long time coming but at least I'm sure from the uh WVSSAC standpoint 
happy to see football kicking off in the Kanawha Valley and Kanawha County specifically tonight. Yeah, man, it's really hard. You know, it, you were challenged to think of uh, a real football season when you're missing all of Kanawha County because you know how important a role uh, capital, GW, uh, and some of those schools have played uh, through all the years in football. And so, um, you know, we're glad that they're in the mix now. Talking with Bernie Dolan, executive director of the WVSSAC. And Bernie, as you and I talked on Monday, we are to the point now for most of the teams, for a lot of the teams, this is week number six of the high school football season. Uh, we are very close to start really seriously thinking about playoffs. Where does the SSAC stand as far as will the playoffs start? What would be week 11 of the football season, regardless of how many games certain teams have played? Well, we are looking at, because uh, we wanted to wait, kind of get a ballpark free. We said early on, eight was not going to be our, our minimum this year because uh, beginning of the year, we had no idea what we were going to be able to uh, get. But as we've moved through this, you know, we feel like uh, we'll, we'll set a minimum soon that uh, we'll be required to make the playoffs. So uh, I would imagine it's going to be in the three, four, five range just to make sure you play enough games. Uh, but we want to—we don't want anybody to be denied an opportunity uh, if you're good and you're just held out because of what's going on in your county, not necessarily what's going on in your school. What, what goes into that decision? Obviously, three, four, five games. Uh, how, do, how does that get broken down in the analysis as to what is uh, not being too few a number to establish that when you may have some teams playing eight, nine, or ten games, Bernie? Well, the good thing is you guys know our, our system uh, in that the fewer games you play, the smaller your divisor. And therefore, it does take into account that you're playing fewer games but we're certainly looking at, you know, uh, we don't want anybody to be 1-0 and be the number one seed, you know. Uh, but we think that, you know, what's going to be achievable by most of the uh, schools in the state, and I think that's where we'll kind of settle on our number. So then, okay, let me – help me out here. So if at the end of the 10th week of the high school football season – you would be prepared to go into the playoffs uh, because, you know, considering most, most teams will have probably at least three by then, unless we just have a total breakout. Am I reading that right? Or are, are, you, are you positioned yeah. to where you could delay the playoffs? I, I really don't think we, if we delay, I think we're going to have to limit the numbers. Yeah. So I think our schools will get that. I would rather – get that minimum and get everybody in the playoffs that deserves to be in now uh, after the 10th game and then move forward with the 16 in each one, still finishing up on our regular date. Uh, you know, we did give up the one bye week. Uh, this year we, we lost a bye week and a scrimmage so that the schools could have the opportunity to have all 10 
regular season games because we know how important the money is from the football games to help drive all these other sports. And it's been a challenge this year because we've had such strict uh, attendance guidelines that uh, it's going to be a challenge for them, even with football games. You know, we see last week, Bernie, a situation where Mingo Central plays a game on Wednesday, then turns around and plays a game on Friday. And I'm thinking about these different counties and these different schools, like a situation in Doddridge County, where uh, because of a positive test, proactively kind of shutting down the athletic side in Doddridge County this week. So I'm not trying to make it a long question, but kind of thinking ahead, you have schools that may be trying to double up games in a single week to try to get the games in. Does the SSAC have kind of a time frame as to when it would want to announce a minimum game threshold that would have to be met as some schools may have to be doubling up games potentially in certain weeks if they thought they had to meet that threshold? Right. Well, I've kind of given them the ballpark figure where that threshold's going to fall. At least that's what will be recommended to our board, somewhere in that three, four, five range. So I think everybody's going to be able to make that as, you know, unless what Fred says, another outbreak somewhere sure. that really shuts people down for a while. So I don't see anybody having any real difficulty uh, getting uh, four games in, in, a, in the, between now and the end of the year. I do see some of them probably trying to double up. Uh, I think playing on a Wednesday, Friday was really a uh, pretty aggressive uh, two-game schedule. Um, I would imagine most people would go Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, or something like that. Um, we have opened up Sunday uh, as a practice or game day this year just to allow people another day of practice because of COVID, to be able to squeeze in a game somewhere else. I, I think so, it's – yeah. I, I think – Go ahead. I think they, they're going to have plenty of opportunity to make sure that they can hit our minimum number of games. Yeah, I don't think that's, – that's what I started to say. I don't think there's any doubt that the WVSSAC and, and the board of directors have gone out of their way, gone above and beyond – to make the days available, allowing Sunday as a game day and all the other things you've done. I'm curious now, though, is there a contingency in place, say, once we get into the playoffs? We've got the regular season behind us. We're into the playoffs, and we get a positive COVID case on a team. Is that team out, and it's a forfeit, and you move on? Have you thought about that? Well, uh, at this point, we have not made any of those decisions uh, whether somebody is going to be uh, held out, quarantined, or shut down. Um, that all comes from the local health department. Just as in golf, we've had to work with a couple of local health departments to make sure things were lined up for a couple of our cases. So, um, you know, we, uh, we will rely on the uh, local health department to make that decision. But if they would say somebody could not play, I would imagine the tournament would have to go on and that team would be out at that point. Yeah. But, again, that's all going to be based on the individual facts because we might say, okay, instead of playing on Friday because there's an issue, can we go ahead and play on Sunday? And it really doesn't put anybody at a great disadvantage. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious also, and, and uh, I'm going to let you go here in just a couple of minutes, but uh, – 
when uh, when are you? And I, I would get by football. Uh, are the preseason practice dates or competition dates for winter sports have they been revised or scheduled or anything like that? We've we've kicked them around. We almost have it ready to release. Uh, I would anticipate uh, if we don't um, have any delays on the rest of the fall season, there may be a little delay, maybe in wrestling and swimming, but I would expect everything else, the basketball, to go on time. And I think the delay in wrestling would be simply because we're not going to, you know, we're going to limit what you can participate in. The big tournaments are going to go away because we just don't want to bring all those people together and have a, you know, be, you, don't, you don't want to be a super spreader. And so uh, I don't think, we, we think that we could start a little bit later since we're doing quads and less uh, as we move forward. So we think that will be uh, something. On the swim side, we've got some real issues in the Eastern Panhandle because at this point, Shepherd is the only pool in the Eastern Panhandle, and I think it's off, off limits at this point. So uh, there are going to be some real challenges for the Eastern Panhandle swimming uh, this coming year. Well, we got a river close by, don't we? <laughs> That's what I said to Potomac. You can work upstream or downstream. You, but, uh, you, you and I are too much alike, Bernie. Let me funny. tell you. Let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you one other thing before we let you go. Too that I, you know, right now in football or in, in other sports, I'm, I'm assuming I know football. Immediate family, grandparents. Do you see that figure increasing if everything goes the way we hope it's going to go? I I think uh, I think we're showing good good numbers saying. Hey, we're keeping it in the household, and we've been we haven't had any problems that's come from people going to games. Now, obviously, we've been outside almost the whole time, except for volleyball and cheer. And cheer really has not had any competitions. There are very few that I know of competitions indoors. So um, I, I think we'll see. We're hoping to see those numbers go up even if it's just going up so that the administrators can have some sort of idea of how they're selling the tickets. You know, it's been an incredible challenge to our administration to figure out who's in, who's in your household, who are your parents, whether you have a split family, who are your grandparents, and trying to verify all those things before they get a ticket. And, uh, you know, I think our administrators would love to say, hey, I got a thousand tickets to sell. First thousand come, they get the ticket. Yeah. You know, but uh, but that doesn't always meet what we're trying to do health-wise. And so that's why we've stayed with trying to stay in the household. But as we get into playoffs, I think you might see that. Uh, we hope to see that relaxed a little bit. There you go. Bernie, you have been most kind with your time. I, I know you guys and you and everyone that works with you at the SSAC and everyone else, man, it's, uh, wow, it has been a tough, tough time since March the 13th. And uh, I appreciate your uh, kindness to show us the time and everything. And uh, I think together we just need to get the word out. And uh, everybody just uh, 
do it together, you know? This, this is the year that you can't say we've always done it that way. Let's do it that way. And that comes from our standpoint as well as the fans and players' standpoint to say, hey, this might be a one-up year. So if we say you can't go or you can't go, you know, don't get upset. Yeah. We're trying to do the safest thing because our number one goal is let's make sure the games get played. Right. If anybody gets to watch, that's a bonus. Exactly right. No, you're exactly right. Hey, safe travels home, and uh, we'll talk again soon, okay? I thank you for your time. Believe me, okay? All right. Thanks, Fred. Thanks for what you guys do. Yes, sir. There you go. Bernie Dolan, executive director of the WVSSAC. We kept him for quite a while, Dave, but I think he answered a lot of good questions. Yeah, I think he did, and I think one of the ones that we've talked about as well is what do we do as the season draws, the regular season draws to a close? Uh, does it get backed up and the ability for more games to get in? So having that threshold idea, three, four, or five, certainly – um, gives some some clarity where that's concerned. Now, there are four games going on right now, Fred, right. and I'm going to make my own scoreboard and tell you that uh, George Washington and Riverside are tied at seven in the first quarter. South Charleston has a 14-0 lead over Capital. That game's in the second quarter. On the double-A side, Nitro is trailing in the first quarter at home to St. Albans, 6-0, and Sissonville and Herbert Hoover Sissonville has a 14-0 lead over Herbert Hoover in the second quarter. So those four games going on right now. Last night, we had a Tuesday game, and number two ranked in single-A Tug Valley rallied with a couple of late touchdowns to knock off number 10 James Monroe, 38-32. And in that game for Tug, Joby Sorrell, 444 yards passing, six touchdowns, including a pair of touchdowns in the game's final two minutes to rally Tug past James Monroe, 38-32. And I was going to make a note, and but yeah, we'll stay on top of that, and we do have some guys that will be calling towards the end of those games and giving us some note. Uh, I did have the note on the game they were playing, and I don't remember who it was, and I know it's already been changed on our scorecard, but uh, Gilmer County was supposed to play this Friday night, and their game has been... I've got it right here. I knew I knew I made a note on it. Gilmer County was supposed to play Pendleton County at Pendleton County. Well, that game is off postponed because Gilmer County has an outbreak of strep throat. <laughs> Not COVID. Right. Strep throat. What else can happen in 2020, huh? An amazing, isn't it? Well, and Gilmer County is a very good team. Yes, and, uh, they're that was ranked fifteenth, yeah, three and two. Yep, yeah, gonna be a good game this weekend. Obviously, when all those players to get healthy, and I'm not sure if you're supposed to say you're strep glad it's strep and not COVID. I'm not sure what the right response the is last supposed time, to be. But when's the uh, last time you heard a football game canceled because of strep throat? Well, I think it's that same old thing where if you sneeze and you're wearing a mask to make sure people understand it's just an allergy type thing and it's not anything beyond that. It's oh, crazy. And uh, do you really want to? It makes you wonder. Any type of illness, do you just shut it down to some degree so that people do not have the wrong idea? Not that strep isn't something to be talked about, but obviously not from the standpoint where, from a COVID where it shuts down uh, games. But it has shut down this one. That's for certain. All right, we need to take a break. We come back. We're going to be joined by head coach David Moneypenny. Hope his alarm went off. Head coach at football, head coach of football at uh, Oak Hill High School. Uh, coming up about 8.05, Ray Lee from Greenbrier East High School is going to join us. We'll also be joined about 8.20 from Ryan Bilby 
uh, the young golfer from uh, Brook High School who's just had a tremendous summer and it goes right on into the state tournament. He's a low medalist. We'll talk with Ryan. We'll talk with Ted Arno Jr., Ted Arno Jr., and other things going on. So just hang around with us. We would appreciate it. 1-800-765-8255. We will have a, we'll have a little bit of time, I think, for some phone calls tonight. If you'd like to call, maybe ask something that you weren't sure about what Bernie Dolan was talking about, we'll be happy to try and answer it for you. 1-800-765-8255. It's High School Sports Line. We're back with more after this. to golf we've got you covered on the high school sports line from metro news high school sports line on this wednesday evening it is the 7th of october fred and dave with you joe nelson is our producer tonight and we welcome dun 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 david moneypenny head coach at oak hill high school <laughs> hi david hey fred how are you i'm well sir how are you Oh, we're we're doing real well, thank you. I, I appreciate you uh, taking another chance on me tonight. I apologize. <laughs> That's all right, buddy. All right, hey, I, I'm I'm pleased that the Oak Hill Red Devils have finally got to play football. Yeah, yeah, we uh, took the field last uh, Friday, uh, and we had Mingo Central come to Oak Hill. Yeah, we were their second game in three days, actually. Yeah. Now, Oak Hill, you get that win over the Miners, 34-26. As Fred mentioned, uh, Coach, it was obviously the first game out for Oak Hill. As we've asked a lot of coaches, kind of leading up to that first game, coming what would normally be midway through the regular season, what was that like getting your guys ready last Friday night and uh, the atmosphere when they finally got a chance to take the field? Well, it was awesome. You know, that's you know, we've been asked that question, and it's just, you know, seeing the excitement and, you know, the, the kids' faces. I mean, this is something they've been looking forward to, as a lot of, a lot of schools have. Haven't had a chance to play yet. But, uh, you know, it's, it was something we started back in June, and, you know, we have, we've had some opportunities to play, uh, but those kind of fell through each week. So, uh, you know, it was just real exciting getting those kids out to compete for the first time. Well, you know, Coach, when, let's talk about your team, first of all, before I get into something else I wanted to ask you about. But let's talk about the Red Devils, your AAA ball club this year after the consolidations, finally everything went through. Uh, what kind of influx have you had from the other schools? I know you've got bigger numbers now. Have you had a better influx of athletes? Well, you know, I, I unfortunately, you know, we, we – don't have any of the kids coming up from Valley Fayette yet. Uh, that, that's something that we've been working on. Uh, you know, we, we pulled Fayetteville into Oak Hill. Uh, and a few years ago, we had Mount Hope come, come into Oak Hill. So, you know, right now it's, it's, it's still predominantly probably Oak Hill and the Mount Hope kids and, you know, the Fayetteville kids are coming over. And like I said, we really want to work on some of the Valley Fayette kids and get those guys coming up the mountain to, to help us out because, uh, you know, it's, it's a community school now and we're all excited about it. Now, on Friday night in that win over Mingo Central, Braxton Hall had a big game. He had a couple of interceptions and a couple of touchdown catches. So maybe talk about uh, kind of the key standouts from last Friday. Braxton Hall was one, and, and your quarterback, Logan Lawhorn, also had a nice game as well. Maybe talk a little bit about that, Coach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Braxton's one of those guys that, uh, you know, we got to get the ball to, you know, on both sides of the ball. And, 
and uh, you know we even throw him back there in some special teams types of schemes. Uh, you know, he's just a terrific kid. He, he really is. He's got good good parents and, and good good folks around him, and, and uh, he's just just as good a kid with his character and work habits off the field as he is on. So uh, you know, he plays baseball. He does a lot lot of things. He's a pretty busy dude. Uh, uh, but you know, we, we got to get the ball to him. Uh, Logan Lawhorn, uh, you know, from what I understand, he didn't play last year. Uh, and I'm not really quite sure. I know he played uh, possibly his freshman or sophomore year uh, at Oak Hill. Uh, but he, he's another baseball kind of guy. He's a fan on the baseball team, and, and uh, he decided to come out this year. And I'll tell you, uh, he, <laughs> he filled in some uh, pretty big shoes, you know, there at quarterback. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He, and he's pretty good at the other thing he does. Uh, he's you know, he can throw it, he can run it. Uh, and what's very impressive about him is his football awareness and his ability to kind of learn the game. Uh, he knew a lot coming in, but you know, he's pretty vocal as a leader. And, and uh, he really, really brings a lot of the things uh, to the team that, that, that you need to have, particularly at the quarterback position. Yeah, they both had pretty good games. Uh, you, David, you've been around for quite a while. Who, who's, uh, who's on your coaching staff? It's your first year at Oak Hill now. Who's, who's on your coaching staff with you? Well, I, I, I have to mention uh, Coach Gorby, David Gorby first, because David Gorby actually called me. He wanted to remind me about the interview tonight. So I, <laughs> I got I to make sure. I He's my man. David Gorby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coach Gorby, we can't, we can't make without him. But, yeah, you know, we got Frank Spangler. I know you know Coach yeah. Spangler. And yeah, we, we do. Have, uh, Jim Martin. Yeah, yeah. Jim Martin's there and uh, Chris Shelby. He was with us at Fayetteville. And Josh Evans from Fayetteville, he, he played. You know, for us at Fayetteville and at Marshall, and you know we got we got Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas played for Coach Martin at Oak Hill. Uh, uh, you know, and he does he does a wonderful job for us as well. Uh, not a big staff yet. You know, that's something we want to really work on in, in the coming years. But you know, the guys that we have are very hardworking, and and uh, you know they're they're still our dudes. Well, well, great experience though for a small staff like you mentioned, Coach at at Oak Hill. That's a ton of years of experience those young men are getting on the sidelines and at practice well yeah i would say close to 100 years in just two of those names so you know when those when they, you know when the coach martins and the coach families are talking you know all of us are listening not only the players but all, all of us assistant coaches because you're exactly right you know they they have a lot a lot of knowledge and the, the, the neat thing about it it's, it's they have just as much knowledge to, to teach these kids about things, you know, that's not that's going to happen off the field. You know, they're they're good role models. They come with a lot of experience. You know, and when they talk, uh, we all listen. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah, you when you said a hundred years between two of them, I didn't think you meant Jim Martin and Frank Spangler. I, I thought you meant like David Money Penny and and Coach Gorby. But I, you know, <laughs> hey, who knows, huh? <laughs> hey, let me ask you this, well, we're, Coach. We're, Go ahead. What was you going to say? I said we're we're. Coach Gorby and I are catching up with those two guys. Don't worry. <laughs> it don't take long, buddy. Believe me. Let me ask you this. You're AAA now. You're AAA, and you're only going to get six games in with your schedule, which will be enough uh, after um, – definitely enough after talking with Bernie Dolan earlier. But those six games, you've got a Greenbrier East coming in, and I know coaches look at one game, and that's all you have time to look at. And that's the Spartans coming in with a 4-1 and record, their best start since 1998. But boy, then you got Hurricane, Bluefield, Beckley, and University. You better take them just one at a time because you've got some tough football games headed your way. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, 
kind of standard of how we kind of have done it in the past, you know, at the other schools that, that I've coached at and, and with and under and, and head coaches. You know, we want to, you know, you, we we try to schedule, you know, teams, particularly right now that, that these kids at Oak Hill may or may not have haven't seen yet. And, you know, you can't, you can talk about the speed, you can talk about the strength and the, and the pace of the game at the AAA level. But, I mean, you know, until, until these kids really see it, it it's, it's kind of a new point, but, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, starting out with Mingo Central was not, was not the plan to be quite honest with you. You know, we were, you know, we kind of jumped, jumped into that with the, you know, with the virus issue that we have. And, and I'll be honest with you. Um, I wasn't sure we were going to be ready to play Mingo Central. You know, uh, you know, we, we haven't played, of course they hadn't played either, but you know, they have a, you know, a, a very rich tradition and, uh, at Oak Hill, you know, you know, stepping stepping on the field for the first time against a team like that, you know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Uh, and one thing that was certainly answered is our kids, they, they like to compete. They like to compete. And, you know, we, we talked to them about that. You know, if you, if, you, if you love to compete and you can learn to compete, you know, you're going to have a chance. There's never a guarantee. But when you love to compete, you, you will always you know, have a chance. You know, I think one thing you mentioned, Coach, and you talk about getting your players used to the speed. How has the practice been on the defensive side uh, since the win over Mingo Central? I know coming out of that game on Friday, the defensive side of the ball was one area that you were going to kind of address that needed some improvement. It it, it, it does. It, it does. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get, you know, as many kids. We're trying to two-platoon it as much as we can. Uh, we've got some kids, you know, on offense that, that, that don't play on defense and vice versa. So, you know, we, we could get a, we could be a little bit bigger on defense, I would imagine, if we move some kids around. But, uh, you know, we're just really, really working on our, our scheme and, and, and trying to get kids lined up in the right spot, uh, making sure they understand, you know, their gap assignments, those types of things. And we, we talk about, you know, leveraging the ball all the time and, and running proper angles. So, you know, if we can line up right, leverage the ball, and run run good angles, uh, you know, I, I think we'll progressively get better and better on defense. Yeah, no doubt. Well, here's here's the good news for you there, uh, David. Uh, you've got six games scheduled, and four of them are going to be at John P. Duda Stadium. So that's that's okay. Take four out of the six at home anytime. Yeah, yeah, we'll t- we'll take that. You know, and uh, you know, it, it's it, they, these kids may need that. You know, they you know they like they like to play at home and. A lot of excitement going on in Oak Hill right now, and and uh, this is really really good for our kids. And you know, it, it's 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 a special time. You know, I, I hope I hope we can get you know all of our games in. I, I really do. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, and I mean this sincerely, they got a good one when they got you as their head coach. So best of luck. Okay. Uh, well, I appreciate that, Fred. I, I really do. You know, and again. You know, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on tonight with, with you guys. And I really, really do apologize for the past. So That's all right. No, no problem. Yeah, you know what? I might, I might even take a chance and ask again before the season's over. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so Coach Gorby will be on that one. There you He'll go. make sure I'm on. All, all right. right. Hey, David, I appreciate your time, buddy. Best of luck, okay? 
Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, take care, you guys. Thanks. Yes, sir. David okay. Moneypenny was the head coach at Fayetteville, and now in his first year at a class AAA Oak Hill. And, and David, he's going to do a good job. He, he's got a great coaching staff with him as well. Yeah, he really does. When he starts talking about Frank Spangler and uh, Jim Martin, obviously from the Oak Hill and the Fayetteville side as well, that's a good nucleus to have there as you try to mix these different uh, schools together, get those players together, and kind of put their stamp on Oak Hill football. As you mentioned, they're 11th ranked in AAA. Coming up on Friday, Oak Hill's opponent is 13th ranked Greenbrier East. And when we come back, we should be joined by Spartans head coach Ray Lee. We'll talk about this great start for Greenbrier East in 2020 and get his thoughts on taking on Oak Hill later this week. We'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. high school sports across West Virginia. This is the High School Sports Line on Metro News. Welcome to High School Sports Line. Fred Persinger, Dave Jacklin, Joe Nelson is our producer tonight and doing an excellent job. We uh, continue our phone conversations tonight and we're joined now by a good friend of the network, Ray Lee, who is the head football coach at Greenbrier East High School. Coach, welcome in. Hey, thanks, Fred. We appreciate it. Appreciate hey, buddy, you having us on. Oh, our pleasure. Us an opportunity to represent. Well, I tell you what, County. you're representing well. Off to a four and one start. Uh, the green and gold playing pretty good, buddy. You know, we're proud of um, what our young men are doing, and, and um, you know they came in with a real good attitude this year, and. And, you know, set themselves some goals, you know, based on some things that took place last year, a good group left out last year that kind of built the solid foundation for them to follow. Um, so, you know, they're trying to, you know, maintain a good, good, uh, you know, reputation for our school and, and getting our football program, you know, back on track, I guess, where it was, you know, way back in the um, late 90s. So, you know, they, they, they've been playing some real good football. And we're proud of it. Yeah, four and one start to the year, best start since 1998 for your Spartans. So you talked about setting some goals and uh, trying to get back to playing Greenbrier East football. What have been the keys then to a four and one start so far this year for the Spartans? Pretty much, you know, what we've been talking about. Um, and, you know, I don't ever like to bore people, you know, and repeat myself. But you know, when when we came in. You know, uh, as a staff, you know, we talked about our culture and, and the culture is, is something that, you know, people take for granted. And, and I'll just give you a little history on the culture thing because you hear a lot of coaches talk about it. I learned about culture when I was a principal, um, you know, down in Charlotte, you know, talked about the culture, the climate, and, and those things that you can basically apply to any organization um, and, and if once you start creating a culture of habits, behaviors, and expectations, and you stick with those, you eventually start seeing the growth in the people that's within your organization. So we, you know, we talked about how we wanted to do things, what our standards were, what our expectations were going to be, and we just stick with them. And then you hold everybody accountable, and that includes the coaches. You know, coaches are held to a certain standards. Uh, you know, ex- certain expectations and all of that trickles down right to our players. And, you know, we want them to constantly know this is how we want to represent. 
not just yourself, but our football program, our school, and our community. Yeah, well said. You know, Ray, it's amazing to me how time flies. You, you were talking about <clears throat> the, the program back in the 90s and everything, and, of course, back then, uh, Homer Criddle, Bob McClinic were the coaches and things like that. But it's hard for me to believe you've been now at Greenbrier East for nine years as the head coach. <laughs> I was, it, it is so ironic you say that. I was actually talking to our team today about that, how time flies. Um, you know, we got a group of freshmen that, that came in. You know, we had a group of seniors, right, that came in four years ago. And, I, you know, I told them, I said, guys, I remember when you came in the program, here you were, you know, your face was sunken in and, and, you know, no hair on your face, you know, trim, slim. And when I say trim, I'm trying to be correct on them. They were just skinny. And now you look at them, they've spent the time in the program, they've uh, basically have committed themselves to, you know, being there. And so when time, when we talk about time, time is so valuable. And those are things that we talk to them about constantly. You don't want to waste time. You know, you have the two hours of practice. Give it your all those two hours. So when you when, when, we, when you talk about being there for nine years, it, it is uh, amazing when you sit and think about it. This is my ninth season there, and, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I think when you're having fun, you really don't look at it as, as wasted time. We're actually having fun doing what we're doing. I enjoy coaching, enjoy seeing the young men that come into our program. When they graduate, they go off to school, they come back. You know, they have some of them have families now. Um, so that could be saying something about aging also. <laughs> <laughs> Talking with Greenbrier East football coach Ray Lee and Last time out, you knocked off Berkeley Springs 56-22. Coach, that's three straight games going back to Wyoming East and Buchanan Upshur where Greenbrier East has scored 55 or more points. Offensively, things are really coming together, led by Monquel Davis at quarterback. We have, and, and, you know, you try not to give away too many things, you know, because, you know, people are listening. But we have a good group of young men. You know, we got, uh, you know, Monquel, you know, as a sophomore playing quarterback. He got a lot of field time last year as a freshman at quarterback and at wide receiver. So, real, when I say a good athlete, he's a good athlete, you know, for his age. And you can only see him growing every game, every week, you know, even at practice, showing a lot of leadership, um, you know, as a sophomore. And we always talk about, the age part when it comes to maturity. I tell them, you know, maturity is not so much how old you are, it's how you carry yourself and how people respect you. And he's starting to gain that respect, you know, from a lot of the, you know, his his teammates. So he's doing he's doing a real good job in leading our team. You know, and then we have Kobe Piner. Um, you know, he's a, he's an exciting player. Um, he has those natural abilities that I always say coaches can't coach, and as a coach, you enjoy having a player like him on your team. Then you have other, you know, guys that complement one another. I just think we have a good complementary group this year where they complement one another. You have Quentin Wilson. Uh, this is his second year ever playing football, and, and he compliments, you know, Kobe there in the backfield. Um, you know, we can move Kobe somewhere else, and then you have uh, Trey Poindexter that decided to come out for football. Uh, this year is, you know, and unfortunately it's his senior year, and he walks right in and start start at wide receiver. You know, he played basketball the last couple of years, and then you got Christian McNeely. He's been in our program since his sophomore year, 
uh, Bryson Hornsby. You know, he's playing some real good football. Um, he's a junior force, and, and he plays on both sides of the football. And then we got our offensive line. You know, I can't leave those guys out. Um, we got, you know, Grant Hall. He's been playing for us since his freshman year. Uh, Jacob Wickline, he's a starting um, junior. He's been playing since his freshman year. So we we got got a lot of guys here. J.T. Spencer, uh, Logan Carr, and then we had a young man that moved in uh, from Allegheny that was playing baseball. He's playing on the other side at tackle, uh, Tanner Skidmore. So we got a good group of guys, and they just bond together. They do things together. You know, they hang out together, you know, in school, you know, away from school. And, and they just have a good bond, you know, and, it's, and it, you can see it as a trickle-down effect from teams in the past. So they're, they're just kind of following up on all of, this, all of the teams that we've had previous. All right, you're 4-1. and one. And uh, your game plan is in now because this is Wednesday night. What do you see uh, when you have to prepare for the Oak Hill Red Devils? You know, and again, you know, I talk about when you're preparing for the week, you, we're going to play a good, disciplined football team. You know, watching them on, on film. Coach Penny, he does a good job. Um, you know, I've watched him, you know, at the All-Star game uh, when he was the head coach for the, for the All-Star team. You know, we had a couple of players that played in the in the game, and just watching how he manages and how he talks to players, how he, you know, coaches, watching them on film, and watching him, you know, in the past uh, before we even, you know, had an opportunity to play against each other or seeing just to hear the reputation that he had at Fayetteville. You know, that that says a lot about how he disciplines his players, how he coaches his players, and he makes sure his players are prepared. So. We have to make sure we're prepared also because we're facing a good football team come Friday night. You know, we watched them on film. They got speed. They can get on the edge real quick. And once they get on the edge, uh, it, it turns into a track meet from there. So we have to be at our best. We have to be disciplined. We got to cut down on some mental mistakes that we've had, even though it shows that we're, we're scoring points. But we have so many mental mistakes and, and you know, and penalties and, We've turned the ball over a few times in, in Berkeley's game, that, and that was probably the first time we've had, you know, that number of turnovers. So we have to make sure that we're doing what we need to do and pretty much play a perfect football game because we're playing up against a good football team. All right, my friend, going to let you go. I appreciate your time, Ray, and again, congratulations on a tremendous start. Uh, you got five more, but you got one at a time. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, we appreciate you, Fred. Thanks for having us. And all I can say again is go Spartans. Thank you, partner. Ray Ray Lee, good guy. Really, really good guy. Wow, it's hard to believe he's been there nine years, but he has. Need to take a break. We come back. Uh, still ahead, Brian Bilby is going to join us from the golf tournament, a low medalist in AAA. We'll talk with Ryan. We'll also talk with Ted Arnaud, Jr. from Oak Glen, coming up later in the program. And we'll be hearing uh, from Joe Stevens. We'll be hearing from uh, Joe Bricado and others. Stay with us on High School Sports Line. Follow your favorite team at the high school page of WVMetroNews.com. Now, back to the high school sports line on Metro News. 
Welcome back into High School Sports Line. Fred Persinger and Dave Jecklin with you. Joe Nelson, our producer tonight. We're going to hook up here in just a couple of seconds with Joe Bricado, who's out and about tonight. First of all, though, let's go back and talk some high school golf and a young man that uh, really has been uh, setting the golf courses on fire, if you will, uh, all summer long and on into this high school season, Ryan Bilby. Uh, Ryan, you're a senior at Brook. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Senior at Brook. And I mean, you have had a tremendous summer. We'll talk about that in a second. But, boy, congratulations on medalist winner again at the state golf tournament. You were there last year, once again this year. Shot 77 yesterday, 72 today to win by four strokes over Noah Silverson of Wheeling Park. Uh, do you get to play since you go to Brook High School? Do you get to play Ogilvy very much? Uh, yeah, we play down at uh, matches down with Wheeling Park a lot. We get down there and play the gyms a good bit with them. So, yeah, I get to play down there a good bit. Talk about your round today. Obviously, you improved uh, five shots on the 77 yesterday to shoot a 72. We know some schools, some teams like Robert C. Bird really made up a lot of shots today. And so you played well. Other players played well today. What? How was the course playing? What was the key to the 72 today and repeating as low medalist? Oh, I think that the conditions were tougher today. I mean, the winds were probably 10 to 15 miles an hour uh, more today than they were yesterday. It was a little warmer today. Do you play the... Um, I think... Go ahead. What is it, sorry? No, I say go ahead, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the pins were set up a little a little tougher uh, yesterday than they were today. But I just played a lot better today. I made a couple big numbers yesterday. Other than that, I played pretty well besides those couple holes. Did you you guys play the Palmer course? Do you play the Palmer course? Yeah, we play the Jones. Okay, play the Jones course. So uh, there's yeah, not a level yeah. lie out there, is there, Ryan? There's the only level lie is on the tee boxes. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, that that's a tough. That is a tough course. There's no question about that. Uh, what? Uh, take me through your bag. What, what's your strongest? What's your strongest suit when you're playing? Off the tee, your iron play, your short play. What is it? I think it's off the tee. You know, I keep myself in play. You know, I mean, I hit a few bad, two bad drives the first day that cost me uh, two double, two double bogeys. But other than that, you know, I'm in most of the fairways, keeping in play pretty well. I didn't really putt that well either day. But yeah, I had seven three putts in two days. Does not help. Yeah, assess oh, your sure. assess your game for us. Obviously, you had a great summer and uh, heading into the fall. Obviously, the state of your game outside of those seven three putts is uh, in the right spot. I'm joking about the three putting, but uh, maybe give an assessment of your game, how you feel, how Ryan Bilby feels about how he's playing right now. Oh, I've been playing. Uh, I mean, I've been playing really well. And then when I shot seventy seven, I was kind of just like disappointed because I've been playing so well lately, you know. Just seeing that 77 is, like, kind of weird. Cause I, haven't, I don't think I've shot over par in probably a month, honestly, <laughs> before the before the last two days. Wow, that's that's impressive. Really? Seven three-putts. I yeah, do that in the first weird. seven holes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> What's your plans after high school? Have you made your plans yet? Um, yeah, I'm going to play golf down at Marshall University. Fantastic. All right. So you'll stay in the state, but still uh, you'll get a touch of uh, – some Conference USA play. 
Yeah, it's just far enough away from the parents, you know. <laughs> not too, not too far, but oh. not too close. You know what? I think I'm going to let you go before you get into any more trouble, all right? Hey, Ryan, I appreciate it, buddy. We've talked before on Tita Green, so I wanted to have you back again. And uh, best of luck throughout, uh, you know, golf in West Virginia is getting ready to really to wrap up. But, uh, you know, you got a spring and a summer ahead of you before you take off to Marshall. So best of luck, okay? Oh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Ryan Bilby, low medalist again. There last year, again this year, at the state golf tournament, a senior at Brook High School. All right, let's turn our attention back to football. We're joined by Joe Bricado. Joe is at South Charleston High School, right, Joe? That is correct. And what's what's it been like? First game of the season for these two teams. Yeah, and uh, all South Charleston so far. 28 to nothing lead for the Black Eagles. Uh, jumped out to a 7 nothing lead early in the first quarter. Uh, touchdown pass uh, from Trey Dunn, and that got them out to a 7 to nothing lead. And then uh, three quick touchdowns for the Black Eagles coming in the second quarter. The first of them coming on defense a couple minutes into the second. Kevin Tinsley with a 70-yard interception return for a touchdown. Dunn had his second touchdown pass later in the quarter, that a 14-yarder to Shiley Kinney. And then late in the half, Mondrell Dean was recently offered by Cincinnati, a sophomore, great-looking young player, 10-yard touchdown run. The South Charleston defense, very, very impressive, jumping out to the 28-0 lead. I know South Charleston coming into the season, and kind of seems strange to say that it's their first game in Week 6, but coming into the season, a lot of high hopes for the Black Eagles, a lot of players back, a lot of good skill position guys, and uh, – it sounds like from what you've seen so far, despite the six-week layoff, if you will, uh, they came out really playing well here in the first half. Yeah, no question about it, David. And they're running a lot of different formations and a lot of different sets on offense and, and finding a lot of success uh, with it. But I've, I've honestly been more impressed with their defense. They forced three turnovers in the first half. Uh, Mari Lawton, Zyke Lawton's younger brother, who's a sophomore, had a fumble recovery in addition to the other turnovers that I mentioned. Uh, a late interception that stalled the capital drive inside the final two minutes of the half. So really, South Charleston, what they've been doing defensively is as impressive as on the other side of the ball so far. What's it like crowd-wise? I mean, uh, you know, folks have been anxious. And I, I got a feeling when we talked with Bernie Dolan earlier, uh, the administrators are doing all they can. But, you know, some kids might have six or seven grandmas and grandpas there. Is it a pretty good crowd? <laughs> It, 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 considering the limitations, yeah, it is decent. Of course, the South Charleston crowd has had a lot to cheer about so far in the first half. But, you know, it's, it is unfortunate that if, you, if this were a normal year, obviously there would probably not be a, a seat or a parking space to be found here in South Charleston. Uh, unfortunately, there's, there's plenty of both. But, uh, you know, certainly the South Charleston crowds like what they've seen so far. But, yeah, obviously it is, a uh, unfortunately, a lighter crowd than we would otherwise expect. A capital team that South Charleston is playing with 6-6 six and six last year, knocked off Wheeling Park in the first round of the playoffs before falling to Spring Valley in the second round. On the capital side, they had beaten South Charleston eight straight times coming into tonight. What are you seeing out of the Cougars? Obviously struggling with that Black Eagles defense in the first half. Yeah, I, I think, David, it's more a reflection of South Charleston's defense and their, and their overall level of play than necessarily what Capital is doing. I mean, Capital's been able to have some success moving the ball. Sean James has been able to break off a couple of big runs, but they just haven't been able to finish drives. And they've had a couple of turnovers uh, driving deep in South Charleston territory, and, and that's really hurt them. And, and, you know, a lot of things that you would expect 
to have happen in our first game really have happened uh, to Capitals so far. Some turnovers, uh, a couple of penalties that haven't uh, helped their cause. So, uh, you know, first game, uh, these, these kind of things can happen, and they've certainly piled up for Capitals so far. Joe, it's certainly no secret that head coach Donnie Mays of South Charleston has been a real strong proponent of getting uh, the colors changed so his kids could play. I think in, in your conversations with him and my conversations with Donnie, uh, we know he's easy. He's been looking forward to this group of kids for a while. Yeah, and, and they were fired. You know, every team is fired up for the season opener. That goes without saying. But uh, when when that team came out of the tunnel tonight, you could tell the energy and the focus was there. And uh, um, yeah, just watching Coach Mays give fist bumps to his guys coming through the uh, the pregame uh, huddles, he, he he was ready to go. No question about it. And. Uh, you know, if everything stays on schedule, uh, the good thing is South the Earth, the Kanawha County teams will be able to get six games in before the end of the season. So, you know, we can, we can hope that the colors stay on everybody's side and, uh, you know, we get a minimum at least of six games in for all the uh, Kanawha County teams. Yeah, is that the talk you're hearing down there? Obviously playing on the Wednesday night tonight, but getting back to more conventional Friday football for the Kanawha Valley teams moving forward? Yes. Basically, with the way it'll go, that everybody plays on Wednesday this week, Tuesday next week, Monday the following week, with the opportunity to play that following weekend. So they could play either Friday or Saturday and then get on a more normal schedule. Of course, that is contingent upon the other teams that they have on their schedule, being able to still field those games. Uh, because, you know, a lot of the teams that uh, outside Kanawha County that were supposed to play Kanawha County teams, they probably had to search for some other opponents as well. So it, the, uh, the schedule, as we've talked about, a number of times is going to be an evolving document as we keep going here. Um, but in all likelihood, within three weeks' time, if the colors stay the way that they have been going, then they'll be back on Friday nights for the final three Fridays of the season. Yeah, and in our conversation, I know you've been busy tonight, but our conversation with Bernie, uh, Dave, I, I got the feeling that four is going to be the number. Did you? Yeah, I got the same thing, yeah. and I got the impression that uh, don't look for the regular season to be extended no. unless something changes drastically in the maps and, and with the way the numbers are looking across the state. Yeah, I think everything's going to go exactly the same at the end of this next, at the end of the 10-week regular season. Playoffs are going to start, but I think the minimum number of games you have to have ends. And I'm not, I'm not putting words in Bernie's mouth. I just got a feeling for what he told us that the number's going to be four, and that would encompass just about every team in the state, hopefully. Yeah, when, so. when you say three, four, or five, you kind of uh, yeah, zero kinda, in on the middle one. Yeah, he can't, well, he kind of zeroed in yeah, on yeah, the middle yeah. one, yeah, to be honest. All right, Joe, we'll let you go. I know halftime's getting ready to be over with. Uh, enjoy the second half, and uh, maybe Capital can make it a better game in the second half, okay? Yep, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see. They, they, they've had some opportunities. We'll see if they can cash them in in the second half. Sounds, by the way, uh, Joe Nelson's doing a heck of a job right now for you. I just want you to know that. I mean, oh, I'm pretty sure I've been Wally Pipps and will not be welcome back next week. I'm pretty sure that's the case. It's <laughs> safe travels, my friend. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. There you go, Joe Ricotta. He just travels anywhere. He, he he sniffs the game. He's there. You know what he is? He's like remember in the baseball when they had the uh, he was a lawyer out of Miami and he would wear the orange you know Miami. Uh, Marlins jersey, and he'd show up like at every game, regardless, right behind home plate. Yeah, that's kind of like what Joe is. Yeah, I mean, Joe just get we get Joe like something Metro newsy, kind of flashy, bright color, and, and just Joe will just show up at everything. Uh, yeah, but he's got a every game. He, he don't that's, stick with one. He'll go anywhere. Like I say, he sniffs out a game. He's going to be there. That's for certain. We need to sniff out another break. 
We still ahead. We've got uh, Ted Arno coming up here in a little while. We'll talk with Coach Arno, but uh, first we need to take a break. You're listening to High School Sports Line. Back with more after this. soccer to volleyball we've got you covered on the high school sports line from metro news with fred and dave and joe nelson our producer tonight let's go back out and ethan collins is going to join us ethan is normally with us on friday night he's one of those hard-working young men that work behind the scenes that you don't get to talk to very much but he is at Herbert Hoover tonight, Sissonville and Hoover playing. And, Ethan, right now it's all Sissonville. Well, I, I would say it's all Sissonville uh, in the terms of the stat sheet, but a beautiful night here at Herbert Hoover High School as Sissonville takes it in a halftime as they lead 21-14. to 14. Herbert Hoover was able to get a QB sneak by Nick Graham uh, in for the touchdown to put them in with uh, within one score. Sissonville does get the ball back in the second half, so they'll be able to uh, push it back up to two scores. But uh, this game's had a little bit of everything. It started out pretty sloppy. Uh, there's been about 18 penalties and an ejection between both teams uh, here tonight in just the first half. But uh, things got a little bit cleaned up later into the second quarter, so I'm expecting a good half second half of football here in Herbert Hoover. Yeah, 40th time that these two Cardinal Conference foes have met, Sissonville and Hoover, 21-14. As you mentioned, Sissonville has the lead at the intermission. A kind of sloppy play. It's going to be expected. It's the first game for both teams, the penalties as well. How about Sissonville on the offensive side? Um, 21 points in the first half. What's impressed you out of the Indians offensively? Well, I got to admit, it's uh, it's been a uh, balanced offense uh, on both sides of the ball, but uh, Dylan Griffith uh, for the Sissonville uh, Indians has been the most impressive for me. He's the running back. He's got uh, about 10 carries for 66 yards and uh, two touchdowns, one receiving and one rushing, and he also has 67 yards receiving through the day. So already a uh, total yards day of over 120 yards, so we'll be looking – to see what he does in the second half. And on the other side, uh, we got Nick Graham, who's having a terrific day through the air, and that seems to be the uh, big play for Herbert Hoover uh, so far in this half. But uh, the thing about it is is that Herbert Hoover should be winning this game right now. They've had uh, two fumbles in the red zone and two turnover on downs once in the red zone there as well. So three red zone possessions that don't count in any points at all. So there's 21 points. Uh, at most there that's uh, been taken off the board uh, thanks to uh, Herbert Hoover not capitalizing in the red zone. For Hoover offensively is Devin Hatfield playing tonight the transfer he transferred from Mingo Central to Hoover and and there was a thought that he could play in the game against Sissonville tonight has he been in action? Uh, Not sure it it doesn't seem like I haven't seen his name on the uh, stat sheet so far but uh, it doesn't look like he's been playing tonight. All right. Well, again, uh, you know, Sissonville or Herbert Hoover rather take care of those uh, miscues in the red zone, and uh, they can correct that at halftime. And like you say, you might be in for a really, really good second half. Ethan, we appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And if uh, anybody wants to follow the game uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ethan G. Collins. I'll provide score-by-score updates and uh, quarter-by-quarter updates. So if you want to tune in there, you can tune in there, or you could find one of the uh, live streams that they have here at Herbert Hoover as well. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, sir. Yep. 
Thank you. There you go. So we got people everywhere. Joe we Stevens. Do. Joe Stevens is at the St. Albans Nitro game, which right now I show fourteen nothing. St. Albans on top. And, what I have. Uh, uh, GW and Riverside, you still show 21-7? Yeah, 21-7 just refreshed a moment ago, and I've still got 21-7. I can't scroll down now it goes. Yeah, 21-7. <laughs> I was trying to scroll, and it kind of froze there. GW <laughs> is on top. The uh, Patriots on top of Riverside, 21-7. Um, George Washington, of course. RT Alexander at quarterback. Michael Hughes, uh, place kicker. And as a George Washington team offensively, uh, 21 points in the first half at, at last check. Not overly surprised. Think yeah. uh, GW is going to be very good offensively this year. All right, we take a break. We come back. We'll be joined by Ted Arno Jr., the head football coach at Oak Glen. Stay with us on High School Sports Line. to golf we've got you covered on the high school sports line from metro news welcome back in high school sports line on this wednesday evening the 7th of october week number six of the high school football season and we're joined right now by ted arno jr the head coach at oak Glen. coach welcome in hey thanks for having me hey our pleasure last time we talked you were undefeated and then you faced a very, 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 very good Wheeling Park team, led 14 nothing at halftime. Um, and they were 14-7, I think it was, at halftime. And then they came back in the second half to shut you down. Tell me about that game in particular. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Wheeling Park, you know, they're, they're a very good football team. They've got some uh, really talented athletes on the field. Um, you know, our strategy going into that game was to try to eat a lot of clock and, you know, really keep that talented speed off the field as much as possible. Um, and in the first half, we were able to capitalize on some turnovers, eat some clock, and, um, you know, we were up 14-7 to at halftime. Uh, we made a nice drive in the third quarter, um, you know, tried to attempt to score to make it 21-7, to and we got down to the goal line and everything gets compressed on the goal line, and, um, you know, Wheeling Park's obviously a very good team, and they were able to capitalize more than us on our mistakes in the second half, and uh, they came out on top. Talking with Oak Glen football coach Ted Arnaud, and coach, I was reading some of your comments after the game with Wheeling Park, and, and you said one of the reasons why you wanted to schedule the Patriots was to make your team better and to put your players into some pressure situations and learn from adversity. Looking back on that game from Friday night, what did you learn as a coaching staff about your Oakland players? Yeah, I mean, I learned that we can compete with uh, very good athletes. Our athletes matched up with theirs um, in key situations, and I feel like uh, we're able to move the ball, um, and we were able to play some pretty good defense for some turnovers. Um, and it kind of, you know, let me learn that, you know, we've got the capability of hanging with some very talented teams, uh, but it also, you know, pointed out some – um, mistakes that we made, especially when we got towards the red zone, maybe some adjusting that we need to do um, as we get close to the red zone on offense so that we can capitalize on more scoring opportunities. Ted, I mean, looking at your schedule and looking at schedules in the past, I guess, I assume because of COVID-19, uh, the Ohio schools had to go away. And, and boy, you talk about toughening up your schedule. I mean, you've already beaten a John Marshall team that's lost only one time. You beat a very good Kaiser team. So, uh, your schedule, it got tougher, didn't it? 
Yeah, it did. And, you know, we didn't want to be in the situation the same as we were last year uh, where we went undefeated and we only earned a six seed. Um, we wanted to give ourselves the opportunity to um, try to vie for a better playoff contention spot. And, um, you know, we really felt like adding the teams that we did would put us into better situations to beat, um, you know, or, or to compete with or to beat the more elite teams in our division. And um, we really feel like we added some quality teams that are going to make us better. How's the health right now? I know going into the game with uh, Wheeling Park, you were down Kyler O'Connor, the first-team All-State tackle and defensive end, and kind of banged up in some spots. How's the health of Oakland getting ready for Brook this weekend? Um, well, we've got two long-term ACL tears. Um, our uh, free safety, Evan Geis, uh, who also played receiver for us, He'll be out for the season. And also uh, Josh Blake, very talented sophomore defensive tackle that I think would have turned a lot of heads if he was able to play throughout the entire season. Uh, but luckily we will have Kyler O'Connor back, who's actually a guard. He's a very, very talented offensive guard and defensive end uh, in our wing key system. He has to be very athletic to be a guard in this system. Um, he'll be back for us for the Weir game next week. Um, so we also didn't sustain any additional injuries against Wheeling Park, and whenever you're a double-A team, you know, playing in a four-quarter game against a triple-A team like Wheeling Park, I, I consider that to be very fortunate that we didn't add to our injury tally, our walking wounded tally. Um, but I feel like we're going to be, you know, getting healthier uh, going into next week as long as we don't sustain more injuries against Brook this week. Yeah, you get, a, you get a Brook ball club that here's another team that you don't normally play. You haven't played them in over 20 years, in fact. Uh, what do you see from the Brook Bruins? Uh, yeah, they've struggled yeah, it's a actually bit. been 30 years. Yeah, that's right. It has been 30. The last time that Oakland, Oakland and Brook played was 1990. Yeah. And our record against them is 1-22 in 22 all time. Uh. Um, and, uh, you know, that shows how talented, you know, those Brook teams of old were, uh, you know, especially in the 80s under Bud Billiard and very, very, um, very uh, pride-heavy, tradition-heavy program. Um, and uh, I actually coached at Brook for a couple of years, and I got to experience that myself. Um, but, you know, we feel like, you know, Brook's another AAA team. You know, they're, they're physical. They've got some depth. Um, you know, and, they, and those types of teams pose challenges for us because, you know, our backups are true sophomores. Theirs are juniors and seniors usually. Um, so, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, with the health that we do have, we capitalize on opportunities that are given to us. Also coming up later on in the season, Spring Mills and Frankfurt. So uh, you have a really good Falcon team, 5-0 and right now. Spring Mills out of AAA, 4-1. and I know you don't want to look past Brook or Weir. Those are the next two opponents. But uh, the next month, and, and then Philip Barber to wrap it up, but the next month, some exciting times coming up at Oakland, some good teams coming up on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, we're going to play home against Brook, and then we've got three road trips in a row, and – the first road trip's only 15 minutes down the road to Weir, and that's always a great matchup because uh, you're playing for the Carl Hamill Trophy. It's the local rivalry. Um, and, yeah, we, we, we've never played Spring Mills before. That'll be an exciting matchup, another double-A, triple-A matchup. And, of course, Frankfurt um, has really done well themselves and has really cleaned the table so far. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking forward to an, a challenging second half of the schedule, um, but we're also hoping that we can continue to get better every week and um, you know, our goals are obviously to uh, win every week, but also to make the playoffs and be in a good position to make a run for the title. 
All right, buddy, we're going to let you go. I'll tell you one thing. It is so good. You've got that program going in the right direction. It is good to have Oak Glen thoroughly in the mix right now in Class AA over the last couple of years. And uh, you and your coaching staff and your kids have done a great job. So best of luck to you. It's a great group of kids. I love them. And we couldn't have done any of this without them. And um, we're hoping that they'll take us to the promised land. There you go, Ted. We appreciate it. Thank you for your time, buddy. All right, thank you. There you go, head coach Ted Arnault, who is the head coach at Oak Glen. And, uh, Dave, when you look at years going by, they have really turned that program around since he's been there. Yeah, they really have. And and they were really young a season ago when they had built what was a 13-game regular season winning streak that came to an end last Friday. But, you know, that was a team in Wheeling Park that was averaging 42 points a game and it took the final two drives of the game for the Patriots to get the win over Oak Glen, 28-14. So we've been saying all season, and I think Oak Glen is really showing it, they are uh, a true power this year in AA. Yeah, no question. All right, final break to take. We come back. We'll have time to take a look at our Class AAA, AA, Single A Games of the Week. Stay with us on High School Sports Line. high school sports across West Virginia. This is the High School Sports Line on Metro News. Sports Line out and about tonight covering some games for us as well. Joe Stevens, who is on the line right now. Joe at Nitro with the Wildcats and the Red Dragons. Uh, What's going on there, Joe? Well, Fred, we just started the uh, fourth quarter here at Underwood Field, and it is St. Albans leading Nitro by the score of 20 to nothing. You know, it was 33 days after much of West Virginia kicked off its high school football season. Canal County Schools finally got in to join the party tonight and here at Nitro uh, at Underwood Field. And, and Nitro, it's uh, the homestanding Wildcats have been kind of taking it on the lumps a little bit to the visiting uh, St. Albans Red Dragons. The contest, by the way, is the 84th battle for the bridge the battle for the bridge, and it's the first time the two neighboring rivals have opened up against each other since 1953, and that's all due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic that Red Dragons got on the board the first time they got the ball. Jamali Clater took it in from nine yards out, then closed out the first half, scoring again with Clater uh, taking it in from one yard out at the half. It was St. Albans 14, Nitro nothing. The Red Dragons came out begin the second half and march down the field, scoring again with Prater taking it in from one yard out again. Throughout the game, even the, um, the, the even though the time has uh, gotten away and, and where the Nitro Wildcats, um, where the Wildcats have been able to gain some ground, the uh, St. Albans defense is stiff and Fred, and uh, it's still, as we as I said, starting the uh, fourth quarter here is St. Albans 20, and nitro nothing all right joe good job buddy we appreciate the update okay thank you sir yes sir there you go joe stevens with us uh, at nitro and uh, update you real quick uh, south charleston's uh, leading capital now 34 to nothing that game in the third quarter also gw is leading riverside 28 to 7 in the third quarter and just the start of the third quarter uh as you heard ethan collins say sissonville on top of hoover 21 to 14 all right david let's take you know what i'm going to do david yes sir i am going to be like the nicest guy you've ever met 
Oh, of course, I always have Okay, yeah. I was trying to think what was yeah. different. You are going to select all three games this week. Well, do I? we get to discuss several of them then mm-hmm. in AAA. You, you take a look at AAA and Martinsburg-Spring Mills. That should be a really good game in the Eastern Panhandle. Martinsburg is 2-1. and one. Spring Mills is 4-1. and one. That's a 9-versus-6 matchup. Princeton and John Marshall should be a very good game. Greenbrier East and Oak Hill, we previewed that. But I'm going to go... And if you disagree, you can let me know, but I already get the pick. Cabell, Midland, and Hurricane. Cabell, Midland, 3-0, Hurricane, 2-0. That's what I would go with for the AAA game of the week. That is our class AAA game of the week, and I agree with you. you got two undefeated ball clubs there. Uh, It is at Hurricane, so it should be a good one. All right, class AA. All right, class AA, you look at Spring Valley and Fairmont Senior. Hats off to the Polar Bears. They'll take on all comers. (laughs) And this week at Spring Valley, that Fairmont Senior gets. We've got uh, Kaiser and Point Pleasant. That's a good matchup there as well. Midland Trail, single-A ball club, takes on Independence. I'm looking at North Marion and Chapmanville. Huskies are off to a 3-1 and start, go on the road to take on Chapmanville. The Tigers off to a 1-0 start. Let's go a little bit unconventional, so to speak, as far as the normal teams we take. Let's go North Marion, Chapmanville for that double-A game of the week. Now you do realize that's a Saturday game. Oh, Saturday but... game. I see that. Okay. I, I <laughs> missed that part. This is why you can't let me pick. Um, I, I didn't catch that the uh-huh. first time. Uh-huh. So, uh uh, we'll save that. We'll save it for another time. Okay, well, let's go Spring Valley at Fairmont Senior, though. I, yeah, that's a good one, too. Because, yeah. yep. you know, like you said, I'm boy, Nick Bardick, he don't care who you play. No. You know, and, if and that the was, Washington yeah. football club came through, he'd play them. Yeah, he'd and that, that's one that jumps out, but I was trying to spread the love a little bit. You're right, it's a Saturday games. Let's yeah. not skip that. All right, Class Single A. Class Single A, you've got uh, some good matchups here as well. You've got Wirt County and St. Mary's. St. Mary's trying to get back after a loss to Williamstown last weekend. The Wirt County Tigers are three and one. Williamstown and Summers County, three and one teams meeting up between the Jackets and the Bobcats. Double A number twelve Elkins is at number four Tigers Valley. That's a good matchup as well. I think I'm gonna go Elkins Tigers Valley. It's a Friday game. I checked the scoreboard right here. <laughs> we had Williamstown and St. Mary's last weekend as the single A game of the week. This week, let's go Elkins Tigers Valley as our single A game of the week. It is done. David did it. Did a great job, I must admit. Great job. W- what would you have gone? Probably in single A. Yeah. Mm, I, I, you know, I was, I was honestly torn between Work County, St. Mary's, and Williamstown, yeah. Summers County. I just figured the tiebreaker. We had them both last week. I like it. I like it. All right, there you go. A special thanks to everyone that joined us. We appreciate it. We really do. Thanks to Joe Nelson for doing a great job Good for job, us. Joe. Yes, he did a great job as our producer, Dave and I. We'll be back coming on Friday night for our 19th year of high school game night. We invite you to join us then. Until then, thanks for listening. Metro News has been brought to you in part by ZMM Architects and Engineers at the forefront of school design in West Virginia. Online at ZMM.com. By Concord University. It starts with you. And by the West Virginia Coal Association and the Friends of Coal. Committed to clean energy, your job, and better quality of life for all West Virginians. Join us next Wednesday starting at 7.06 p.m. for another edition of the High School Sports Line here on Metro News, the voice of high school sports in West Virginia. All rights reserved.